Our next guest is a very old friend of mine, and I'm so happy that he took the time out of his extremely busy day to sit down with us and to discuss his creative process, his work, his experience, and the new endeavors that he is on the cusp of in his life as a creative. Our next guest on Atelier 1121 is Reginald Bowens. Multidisciplinary musical talent, teacher and Howard University graduate, Reginald Bowens, how are you today? I'm very, very well. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to uh, do this interview. I truly appreciate it. Um, my first question is Afro Blue and the sing-off. I just want to get this question out of the way because I'm sure people, this will be the question everybody wants to hear, but this is not what we're here for. So we're going to just ask this question first. Um, but how old were you when you, you started? Wait, let me calculate. How old am I? Um, I was 24. 24. What was your expectation of what it would be versus what it actually was? So um, I went into the whole competition experience kind of green. Um, Didn't really know much about what I was getting into. I just knew it sounded cool. I'd be on TV singing with my friends. And so once I got there, it was like, it was definitely eye-opening. Um, a lot of networking opportunities, people that I'm still very mm-hmm. connected with. And, um, it really introduced me to a, a complete genre. I mean, of course, we know what acapella singing is because of our background. But um, this whole acapella gen- genre that's driven by mm-hmm. rock music, that was something that was new to me. So that was really cool. And I've had some uh, amazing opportunities as a result of being on the show. Do you feel like your studies in school prepared you for your experience and how competitive it would be and how difficult it would be to be on that show and the things to come? Absolutely. Um, Just so when that show, when we were on the show, that was right after I had graduated. So, you know, I was fresh out of college. So I I pretty much, you know, remember stuff that I was studying at that time. Um, But yeah, it definitely prepared us. Um, I was a jazz studies student, a music business, jazz piano. And I was the music director of the ensemble on the show. So, I mean, we had moments backstage where, well, we would say we would perform for the producers and they would send us backstage and say, hey, we need you to tweak this a little bit, you know, make it an adjustment. And literally, I would go backstage for about 10, 15 minutes, write something up real quick, no keyboard around, and then have to teach it to the ensemble. And this is in the same room where all the other, you know, almost 15 groups are in the same room. So it's a lot of, you know, noise and things of that nature. But it, I mean, it kept me on my toes and taught me how to write fast. So I really like that about it. So do you hear the arrangements in your head before you even begin? Like, do you know, are you quick on your feet to know where it's going? Um, it kind of depends. Um, one thing that one of my mentors taught me was to always pray first. I know it sounds cliche, but it's literally the thing that helps me with anything that I write. Pray first, and, and usually that gives me something right away. Um, it can be influenced by some other music that I heard, but um, those ideas, they may come to me in that moment, or I may have an idea, and 
write it down on a piece of paper, come back to it later. But yeah, it can it can come fast. I mean, on the show, I kind of had no choice. I just had to go for it and and try stuff out, even if I thought it was going to be crazy. Um, but I, I learned to just try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you do something else. So you said it would be cliche, but on, on this podcast, this is not cliche. We talk about things like that all the time, connecting to the divine and God when you do the things you do and on your journey, especially through your artistic journey and connecting to that source is extremely important because that's where we get the all of our creativity and all of our blessings. So with that question, I have to ask you, how many instruments do you play? <laughs> um, I honestly do not know. <laughs> um, so I, my main interest, instruments are of course, voice, piano, uh, those are my two primaries, um, and then I also study formerly flute, trombone, and saxophone. Um, but I typically don't play all those other instruments. Um, I do teach flute and I teach trombone, and then um, there are other instruments that I just kind of, you know, dibble and dabble on, like the sax or the trumpet or drums. Um, as a teacher, you kind of get thrown into a bunch of different situations, and you have to be able to adapt. Yeah. So may I ask you, how was your transition going from a student to a teacher? Did you always want to be a teacher? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, I remember when, when I first, so when I went into Howard, I was a math major at first. And then they offered me scholarship major to change my major, uh, scholarship money to change my major to music. And when they presented me with the different uh, music major opportunities, uh, education was one of those, business was another, uh, performance and composition theory, all mm -hmm. those different things. And, and so for me, the two, the, the two that made the most sense, I think, were education or business, but I had no desire mm -hmm. to teach. And because I was a math major, business was probably the closest I was going to get, you know, take a couple of different uh, math, uh, math related courses like finance, accounting, uh, econ, things of that nature. So, no, I didn't want to teach. Uh, people uh, kind of pushed me into teaching. They pushed me into teaching for a long time, um, starting with my dad when I was in elementary school. He had me teach a choir song. And I remember in uh, middle school and high school at School of Arts, I had to teach trombone and tuba to some of the different students. And one of my college teachers, she always said, oh, it'd be cool if you got a teaching position like at a community college and all of that. And so I graduated and I was looking for work. I was looking for mm -hmm. business work. So I was the, um, I was the, uh, what was I? The, the outreach coordinator for the Cleveland Boy Choir at the Music Settlement. Um, and then I got promoted to assistant director. So I was kind of double duty, outreach coordinator and assistant director. And that was really where I started teaching non-church music because i've been teaching church music since six at least since no, third grade so, so I, yeah i was teaching in some capacity for a while before school stuff so may i ask you what are you listening to now like what 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 artists are you listening to often now oh gosh um well <laughs> i mean i'll tell you this morning i listened at least it's kind of more of a uh reminiscing type of thing um Listen to Doobie Powell. He's a gospel artist. Kind of has a gospel neo soul type of feel, um, R and B ish in that kind of vein. Uh, 
So I've been listening to him, listening to a guy named Micah Smith, who kind of has this gospel jazz thing going on. And I, I just got him to his album, which is like seven years old. So I'm kind of behind. But I mean, I'm always, you know, like everyone else on social media, looking at all the new posts, the new covers people are putting up. Um, there are a lot of artists I like, Layla Hathaway, Kimberell, uh, Take Six is probably my favorite acapella yeah. group. So I have a, yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, listening. So may I ask, what song do you think changed your life and assisted you on the path in which you are on right now? Mm, um, I remember in high school when I first learned about Kimberell uh, from her Everlasting Life album, and uh, there was a song called Over and Over Again. Well, there is a song called Over and Over Again on that album. Um, it is just harmonically so dense. And there's a little improv. Well, there is improvisation on it uh, within the rhythm section, of course. And then also the saxophone solo and the way she embellishes the melody when she goes through the different um, chords, uh, if you will. And that was life changing for me. I had never heard anything. Um, so involved and it really drew me into listening to her more I mean I've listened to Kimberell probably more than anyone else that I listen to and um, I don't aspire to sound like Kimberell but there's a lot of things that she does that are just genius so what is it that's genius about it is it the way that she um, stacks her harmonies is the her arrangement is it her instrumental what is it? What if you had to choose one thing that just moves you the most? What would it be? Wow, I mean, all those things that you said are definitely pros of the music. Listen to her music, but I think for me, it was her way, her the ease she has navigating through chords. I think that's probably the most appealing to me and and uh, drew me to her. Uh, she just she has this ability. It's just it's apparent that she's familiar with. The, the chord change. She's not just getting up there singing the lyrics, which mm -hmm. are important, but she understands it from an instrumentally influenced. It's voice. very different when you listen to people who are educated about music and in tune to God moving through them when they sing or create music. You can tell the difference. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, how has your creative process developed in the digital world, and how have you been adapting to it? <laughs> Um, have this conversation almost every day. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, it was definitely a challenge. Um, it was, you know, it was a surprise to us all. And for teachers, we had, at least at Cleveland State where I teach, we had a week to figure out what we were going to do. You know, you have, you've, you've planned your, your syllabus for the entire semester and then all of a sudden you get with this hit. It's like, hey, that ain't gonna work. We're going online. Everything's gonna be remote or possibly hybrid. No, we weren't even hybrid. We were remote at that point. And I had to really figure it out. So I, you know, listened to different podcasts, attended different virtual conferences, spoke to a lot of music colleagues and mentors to kind of see what they're doing, did some reading. And so I adjusted to it. Um, I, I do things differently even now, a year later, but I adjusted to it. You know, wanted to make the best of it for my students. Um, being aware of the pandemic, I decreased their workload, but still wanted to teach them the fundamentals that they would need um, in the courses. And so uh, that caused me to start experimenting with 
digital workstations, um, like Logic Pro and GarageBand at one point. And so I got into audio editing and engineering and, and little mixing and, oh gosh, just all of that stuff, plus attaching it to video and, and combining all the videos, doing the kind of Brady mm-hmm. Bunch video thing. I mean, it, it definitely, it was, it was work, but I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> and that my first one was probably in April 2020. And since then, I've done so many mm-hmm. of them. Uh, for my students, and then people have seen my work and have hired me for their own, for their things. Um, so now I have the video editing gig. That's great. So may I ask, you said you degre- decreased the workload for your students, and I yeah. I would, just correct me if I'm wrong, I would guess you did this because we are in such a trying and emotional and mental um, difficult time that having such a heavy workload would be probably too much at right now, am I correct? You're correct. And, and it's not that the workload was heavy before. It's just because, like you said, the transition from in-person to online. Um, I remember one of the forums I read about for educators, music educators, it said, you know, don't worry. Your students are going to be much more, um, you know, on edge than you. And I found that to be yeah. true when I got in the class. <laughs> you know, so you have to be this brave person to conquer this thing that you really don't know much about. Like online uh, instruction was not in my back pocket. I had did a couple things, but not, not nearly as much as now. Mm-hmm. Like I feel equipped. Like I have students in Texas. Um, this past summer I had students in Cali, in Atlanta, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, I think New, yeah, New York, just all over the place. And now I feel equipped to teach whoever you know, across the globe. So I was speaking to someone the other day and I told them that um, with this digital world, with social media, TikTok, internet, period, we are at a point where everyone is your neighbor and anyone can be your teacher. Uh, and I want to ask you, because you are very, um, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, your focus is pr- basically on jazz. And um, mm-hmm. is jazz still relevant? And how has it changed? since the like 30s and what people know jazz to be because when they think about it of course they think of the 20s and the 30s and you know spots here and there throughout history but what is jazz now compared to what it used to be and is it still relevant so jazz i'm gonna just kind of kind of talk all over the place but when we think of jazz jazz is america's mother music in the sacred world i just want to stop say that one more again because i loved it (laughs) i loved it so much say it again (laughs) jazz is america's mother music in the sacred world Um, not country secular secular not sacred okay what is that oh (laughs) (laughs) i meant yeah 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 in the secular world Uh i mean because we think sacred world then we're thinking of you know spirituals and things of that nature Mm -hmm. but but in the secular world, jazz is the mother music in America. Um, everything stems from it. Rock and roll. Um, I mean, even Little Richard. Tutti Frutti is a blues. Yeah. You know? um, country. Of course, you can hear neo soul and R&B mm-hmm. and hip hop. All of the rhythmic things in, in hip hop. Um, contemporary gospel music. It, it still swings like jazz did. There's just a lot 
a lot of elements. Um, I think one of the, the greatest elements of jazz that most people think when they think jazz, they think improvisation. And the improvisation of jazz is so uh, important in today's music. It's nice to go to school to, to learn how to do these different things musically, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of successful musicians who don't go to school and that's okay. You know, their experience is on the field. And I mean, there are a lot of successful people um, that I, even I look up to now who um, I have a cousin who he didn't study music in school um, for a degree, but he he's has so much success playing with, you know, different artists and touring and things of that nature. And he's he's well respected. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Paris Bowens. He used to be the music director for Ty Tribbett, um, you know, when it was Ty Tribbett and G.A. And. I've, I've seen him in Cleveland on tour with other artists too. Um, but he's just, he's become so equipped for that. I know there's a guy from Cleveland named Leon, Leon Turner, um, one of my favorite musicians, and he's the MD for Gladys Knight. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't get a degree in music. He didn't need it. He had the experience. He did the homework. He did the research. And so I, I always tell because some students, you know, well, some people... Well, I don't want to say this. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> People think education is the, they think formal edu uh, education is the end all be all. And it's not. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> especially for artists. Especially for artists. Now, I will say, I encourage all my students to go to school, get that piece of paper, go ahead and get it. There's a lot of networking opportunities that you won't get outside of college. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also, there's this expedited way of learning that you get in college too, that I think is super helpful to kind of speed you along that process. So you don't have to go through the same struggles of those who didn't spend time in school. Mm -hmm. um, but it does, just cause you don't have a degree, it, it, it just means you don't have a degree. That's literally it. And uh, there was, oh, so the relevance of jazz, yeah, jazz is still relevant. Uh, improvisation, especially through improvisation. And even I, I listen to like, contemporary gospel music it's one of those type of genres where you just can't really tell what it is sometimes mm -hmm. like the only thing you know that makes it gospel is because it's about the gospel but like as far as the musical elements oh it's all over the place yeah i think it's one of the most evolving genres um and that's i respect those who who um only live in the sacred world they, they decide they don't want to do secular music. that's fine there's a lot of musically interesting things in the gospel community and um even i i do a lot of sacred jazz stuff because that's just i get to kind of you know merge my two worlds together um you know singing for christ and then also using a lot of the jazz uh, that i have studied and grown to love so may i ask you this uh-huh so my next question is are you self-critical and if you are, how has it affected your physical and mental health? Mm. So I, I am definitely self-critical. Um, I don't think I'm self-critical in the bad way nowadays. Um, I, I'm pretty sure like most artists, I was in the bad way before. And some of that could have just been based on um, being influenced in school. Um, I went to a, uh, an amazing art school with a lot of, we were, we were taught, you know, to be constructively critical and sometimes just critical. Yeah. 
you know. And so I, I, it carried over with me into the rest of my life. But I remember uh, on the sing-off, there was something that I heard that I didn't like. And I might have even become judgmental or something. And one of the young ladies in my group, she told me, she said, Reggie, don't be a snob. And that stuck with me until this moment. Um, it just kind of helped me to be more accepting of other people's art, even if it's not my preference. But just not even accepting, but being respectful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I have to, you know, listen to your music all the time or anything of that nature. But it also means I'm not going to to speak negatively negatively about what you do. Art is art, mm-hmm. you know. Art is unique to the artist. And um, as far as mental, I'm trying to think. So, because even nowadays when I teach my my classes, we um we we do master class for for the different sessions we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the master class, you know, it's designed for the students to learn how to speak about how we sing and helping them to build the vocabulary, learning how to um, to positively reinforce what we hear in performance, you know, point out things that are good. And then also to constructive um, to, to give constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically I don't teach them to use the word criticism because it has a negative connotation, but we talk about constructive feedback things that just need to be brushed up on, things that could be improved. Um, so I, I teach my students to recognize it, uh, but also don't let go of the things that are good. So I think there's a, a balance that has to be. Do you also teach your students self-talk, basically how they speak to themselves and how critical they are on themselves? Because as artists, you can be, you can be yeah. extremely sensitive and hard on yourself mm-hmm. and it can be very destructive. Oh, yeah. I, I taught a piano lesson last night, and, you know, one of my students, she she just felt kind of defeated because she had been practicing a certain way, um, you know, however long. And then when she performed in front of me, she choked up, which she said she has a pattern of doing. And so just, you know, reassuring her, like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We all make these mistakes um, when we get in front of our teachers. And But your teachers, we're aware. You know, we know if you've practiced or not. You know, and we also know that every every process is different for each student. And so we're constantly adapting curriculums to whoever's in our classes. So for those who are walking in their passion, you, you yourself, relatives and very close friends, because, of course, people like us, we surround ourselves with artists. What is the most mm-hmm. difficult thing not having a regular job that's a misconception especially as a musician and artist oh (laughs) i think because this might be biased but i don't care um i think there are a lot of people don't consider our work to be work to be a job they think it's you know uh it's only a god-given talent and that you don't have to do anything beyond that Uh, or it's a hobby Mm -hmm. uh they they don't they don't see the value in it. I mean, even look at the school a lot of the school districts. When it comes to budget cuts, what's one of the first things to go? Arts. The arts. Mm-hmm. Never sports. You know, but <laughs> not sports, because that's gonna bring money in. But they don't realize how much arts art brings in money. There's so much positivity that comes as a result of art in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um it, there's been research study after study 
uh, just about the the positive effects of music on the brain and other art forms. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's unfortunate that our society is still in that you know they're under that mindset. Um, some people, I think, you know, they think maybe because they don't like their own jobs, they they see it impossible to to have a job that you really like. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, it's like, how do I say this? <laughs> and be nice about it. Um, we're we're in an age now where people are realizing how important art is because it's so authentic and it develops the mind. Major companies are looking for creative people because, sure. you know, billboard design, media, mm-hmm. entertainment is a very important part of people's brands now. And if you don't mm-hmm. have a natural ability mm-hmm. to do that, you're left behind. Yeah. And they've taken the music and stuff out of schools, especially black schools, not realizing Uh that no matter what, we were going to be creative. And Uh um, especially with AI, that original music, that original piece of art is priceless now. Uh And that goes into my next question was, what was a artistic moment that was priceless to you that changed your life that opened your eyes to the possibilities of what music and art could be oh that's a loaded question yeah Um. (laughs) we ask real questions on this podcast (laughs) um one of the most life-changing musical moments for me i'm trying to think of like the one instead of just giving one (laughs) Um, I can even go back as far as <laughs> this is funny because it's going back to Kimberrell, back to my uh, the summer going into my sophomore year of college. I was called or text messaged by one of my friends from Afro Blue, uh, asking like, "Hey, are you in DC?" I'm like, oh, no. You know, I was a freshman, so I came home for spring break. I mean, for summer break. It's like, no, I'm at home in Cleveland. He's like, oh, bummer. You were here. I was going to ask you to sing background with us for Kimberell. And I said, what? When is it? I caught a Greyhound so fast down in D.C. <laughs> because, you know, first of all, you know, Kimberell is like one of my favorite artists. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to miss that opportunity because I live 300 miles away. <laughs> right. You know, and so I I went on down there. I was a part of this amazing crew that sang with her. I met some musicians who I'm still connected with. Um, Nikki Ross was also on the bill. Uh, one of my mentors showed up. Well, two of them showed up. Um, and it was just like, wow, I could really do this. Like, I am 19 singing background for one of the best gospel artists ever. Um and so I think for me, it was eye-opening. Like, oh, I really can do all things through Christ. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that was that was a life-changing moment for me. Um, I think another one was singing with Bobby McFerrin at the uh, DC Jazz Festival in two, 2011 and 2015. Okay. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, we, Afro Blue did a reunion show with him in the DC Jazz Fest in 2011, and he wanted um, someone to come down and sing a duet with him. 
and they all called my name like, oh, Reggie, you should do it. This is your chance. And, you know, and so he called me down and we sang a little bit. Um, super, super fun, overwhelming with, you know, happiness. And then when I was in grad school in Indiana, he came up there for a show. And um, because I was a grad student, they had me be one of his chauffeurs driving him around the city. So just getting to spend time with him in the car and, oh, man, I mean, he was he would have conversations with me. At one point, he told me that to pray for him. And he said, you I, I know you're a man of faith. And I don't know how he knew this, but he said, you know, tell, tell your church to pray for me. And we talked about a lot of other things about, you know, being in the moment. And mm-hmm. that was another life changing experience for me. So may I ask, when did you realize that your talent had the ability to move people and change people's lives? Uh, I think I, I probably realized it in my teenage years, maybe, mm. um, or maybe, hmm, I knew it was going on in my teenage years, but I didn't really come into an understanding until later. Um, just, um, even in church, just seeing how people are affected by the music, by, by the, the worship that's going forth and the lyrics and. And the encouragement, I think that was probably one of those moments for me. And then, of course, as a teacher, you learn that every day. Um, just how much of an effect you have on students. I think, so when I was teaching the Cleveland Boy Choir, we did an after-school program at the lower campus of School of Arts. And um, I've seen some of those students, I mean, what, they were probably 11, 12 now. That was 10 years ago roughly so they are they're in their 20s now and sometimes i i just see them on the streets and they they still remember me oh mr b what's up you know or or some of them you know stay connected with me and and reach out to me for recommendation letters or you know it's i yeah i i didn't realize how much of an effect that had on them um it's always interesting interesting to to learn how you have an effect on people and that, I mean, cause they just come out of nowhere and well, for me come out of nowhere and start talking about how they've been affected. And it's like, it's, it's touching. It's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, I was just doing what I believe I was called to do. I didn't, you know, so yeah. So may I ask, I don't know if you know, but for this podcast, we just like to, you know, give people, their their roses their flowers and let them know how much we appreciate them how much we believe in them and how thankful we are to know them and have them in our lives or at, in the past or currently and that we see what we're do you're doing and that we're rooting on you so my next question is what's next reggie what are, what are your aspirations what's coming up next for you well um there are a lot of things i want to do um just about timing at this point mm-hmm. um I am currently looking into graduate schools again um, to get my terminal degree. Um, And I'm just trying, you know, praying about which one is the right, you know, direction for me. Hopefully I'll be starting in the fall. You know, we'll see. But Mm -hmm. I I have received one acceptance letter so far to one of my top schools. Um, I won't say it just yet because I haven't made the decision. But um, so there's that. I also own a a plant-based uh, catering company and so I've been really cooking a lot like I'm actually 
in the parking lot at Costco because I'm picking up more ingredients. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I, that's been kind of booming, uh, especially as of lately. Um, I want to record my own music. I've done them. I have been recording, you know, I did a virtual show last week. Mm-hmm. And so I've been recording stuff for my own, which has been cool because I now have the gear at home, you know, as a result of the pandemic, speaking to a couple of my industry friends, they said you should invest in it because if you have the gear, you'll get the calls. Yes, and, you will. And, and you know what, Reggie, I'm going to put this out right now. If you need a production team, to record your sessions and help you process them and put them on YouTube or any platform that you would like, please don't hesitate to contact me or Yasmin Lawler. We can make that happen for you. Thank you. No, and the turnover time is like 72 hours max. Oh, cool. Yeah. I definitely need to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. I, I want to record for sure. Like record my own project. And mm-hmm. like, like I said, it's a matter of timing now. Um, and really just doing it. Yeah, it's just doing it. You know? And you know what? You don't even have to have everything you need. Right. And you don't have to be perfect. You just need to put it out. Mm-hmm. You just need to just do it. It's literally yeah. just do it. So it's going to happen. Have you seen angels in the outfield when they say, if you if you build it, they will come? <laughs> I, I reference that all the time. Yeah. You just yeah. got to do it. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So at some point... um, hopefully some point soon, maybe before the end of 2021, I'll have something out. You okay. will. You better. <laughs> <laughs> you will right now. I'm holding you accountable. You yeah. put it on it. You put it out in the ether. You put it on a podcast. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah it's going to happen. And um, so that's kind of the biggest things. I'm, you know, the whole adulting, thing, looking into home buying, you know, praying about when I'm going to have a family and things of that nature. And so, we'll, you know, we'll see. Okay, so if we and the in my audience and those out in the world want to find you and hire you and have you play at all the gigs and all this great stuff that's going to be coming to you, how can we contact you? What's your Instagram and your email? So yes, um, you can contact me through email, through Instagram, all of that stuff. I need to go back and change some of my uh, handles so that consistent but my instagram um is r as in reggie l as in lemonade bone that's a bad reference r f <laughs> uh bowens my last name b-o-w-e-n-s um that's my ig um trying to think my email address reginald my first name l my middle initial bowens my last name at me.com me.com awesome well, thank you so much for being on Atelier 1121. We are so honored to have you, and we look forward to what you have going on in the future. Thank you so much for having me again. No problem. All right, and I'm going to cut it there uh, for the edit and stuff. So thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you in the parking lot. You probably got more orders that you need to fill. <laughs> <laughs> the orders just keep coming. I just got about Good. five more smoothie orders. And then I have a couple breakfasts to prepare Sunday, including fresh bread. And yeah, it just and I have a couple smoothies to prepare today. I just finished delivering. Um, I delivered some gosh I don't even know what there was so much burgers smoothies salads Um, I make a they're called wingless things 
and okay. they're basically like a like a boneless wing, but they're made with Brussels sprouts. And um, I know it sounds crazy, but if you look at no, I'm actually <laughs> vegan, so no, it doesn't sound crazy. I've traveled a lot, and I've had that before. But you, you're vegan. <laughs> okay. Yes, babe, I, I am. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, five years. I started. I stopped oh. eating pork in college. <laughs> right. Same yeah, here. I stopped eating pork in college, and then when I moved to California, I was like, "This is, it was just so much fresh, beautiful produce out there." Uh-huh. I was like, "Who wants to eat wings all day?" Like, uh-huh. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have no idea. So I've been plant based mm-hmm. since 2017. So I'm coming up. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Um, maybe as an artist, I really like the whole creativity part. Uh, See now, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to drop in a question here <laughs> and then reroute this because I wish you would have said something about this. I I wish I would have knew about this because I would have plugged you then. So uh, my next question is, what is other than music? What are you working on right now? Um, so oh, I did. Bring- you don't have to. You already told me. <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> I just gotta cut it and edit it and move it back. Okay. Do, do you, you want me to put my my handle in there for my website and all that? Too? Yes. So. Um, all right, so my my plant based business is called Uncle Veggies. Aww. Okay, <laughs> I know it's, it's a you know play on words, you know, but um, the website you can go to my website www.chefuncleveggie.com. Uh, my Instagram page is also Chef Uncle Veggie, my Facebook page is also Chef Uncle Veggie, and my email address is also Chef Uncle Veggie at gmail.com. You know, this sounds like you're very passionate about this. Like, you were excited and happy through the interview, but <laughs> this is something that you're really proud of, and I love that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know how when you go into college, they tell you you got to pick one thing and do that? Yeah. That was hard for me. I have a lot of things that I, I feel like I'm, I'm talented with and then things I'm passionate about. And yeah. cooking was one of them. And, well, at that time, it was really just baking. And then over the years, I... You know, I was pescatarian for seven years, and so I experimented with a lot of vegan dishes then, and my friends would try stuff, and they're like, man, this stuff is good. You should sell it. And so in 2019, I went ahead and, and, you know, officially got the business going for it, and I launched my website about a year ago now. And we are going to stop there. The consistency and authenticity of that moment of Reggie expressing his excitement of his new endeavors with his catering business was just so beautiful and we wanted to share that with you so very much so please if you didn't catch the handle information please take it back listen again and reach out to Reggie for your vegan orders and If you haven't checked out his music please check out Reginald Bowens and thank you again for watching and listening to another episode of Atelier 1121. Have a great day.